Welcome back. It's Due South on WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. We have not spent much time on electric vehicles during our first seven weeks on the air here at Due South. Well, that changes right now as there are plenty of things happening in the EV space. This week, Tesla recalled two million vehicles following a years-long probe into faulty autopilot safety controls. With just days left in 2023, there are looming changes to the significant financial EV incentives available to you, the consumer. And what about those incentives? Are they working? And North Carolina continues to be a growing notable player in electric vehicle battery production. We're going to chat a little bit about manufacturing. Lots to consider here to help us do so are David Borax, environmental reporter at WFE in Charlotte. He's on the line from the Queen City. And Jacob Bolin. He's with Advanced Energy, a Raleigh-based nonprofit energy consulting firm. He is also the program manager of Plug In NC, that organization's statewide electric vehicle program. David, Jacob, welcome to Do South. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Guys, let's start with Tesla and the company's biggest recall to date. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says Tesla's driver assistance system is insufficient. All models are included in this recall, and this effectively encompasses all of Tesla's cars that are on the road today. Broader context here, a Washington Post investigation published in June cited more than 750 accidents due to the insufficient autopilot and 11 fatalities in just a 13-month window. Jacob, just how significant is this issue? And David, sit tight for a moment. I want to know what might happen next. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's obviously a big deal. Anytime you have any sort of, of recall that's going to affect uh, not only a, a, a manufacturer at large, but one that has the market share that Tesla does, um, you know, certainly cause for concern and, and is going to back things up a little bit for consumers. Is this, Jacob, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a note of, oh, uh, electric cars are here and they're, they're now having recalls like all sorts of other kinds of cars? Or is this like, oh, this could be a real mark? Uh, a negative mark as we think about uh, the, the the history book of EVs that might be written 30 years from now. Yeah, maybe somewhere in between. Um, you know, we we've got a lot of information that that really shows that EVs are safe to drive. There there's certainly no no issue with that. Um, you know, I think that there's quite a bit of work that we have to do to to really kind of help bridge the the public perception of EVs from a safety perspective, especially when you're talking about the batteries and things like that. So certainly impactful. You know, it's it's a big deal. Uh, I think the other thing that we really need to keep in mind here is a lot of these Tesla vehicles are, are like computers on wheels, right? And so there there are a lot of aspects that actually aren't related to the electric operation of those vehicles, but are instead maybe have to do with those connected technologies that are built within them. Safe to drive, but there have been hundreds and hundreds of accidents due to this insufficient autopilot. David, what happens next with this recall? Well, as Jacob just mentioned, these are sort of computers on wheels. So Tesla's plan is to send a software update to these 2 million vehicles, and hopefully that will take care of it. And I guess the National uh, Highway um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration will uh, check the, that software update to make sure it works. But, you know, the, the big deal here is that, you know, this is an increased risk of a crash, but also when drivers are not paying attention. And you're not supposed to use the autopilot without... Um, you know, paying attention. You're not supposed to let it drive you yet. We're not at that stage of the development of this technology. And what's happened in many of these crashes is that the drivers have taken their eyes off the wheel, as it were. Okay. Let's dovetail into sales of Teslas 
Sales of other electric vehicles in North Carolina, in the American South, maybe nationally, here in 2023 are EVs rolling off the lots at a clip that manufacturers had anticipated. Yes, uh, maybe even more so, actually. So we've heard a lot of news lately about how EVs are sitting on lots, and there's there's really a lot to unpack with that. Most of it has to do with with manufacturers actually catching up to a really complex supply chain that we've had, you know, a lot of kind of funky operations and behaviors really happening through the COVID years that we've been able to catch up with. So um, according to Atlas Public Policy, uh, a national organization that, that supports some, some data around electrification of, of transportation, mm-hmm. uh, we had 136 new vehicles sold, new EVs sold uh, in September, which actually made it the strongest sales month uh, in history for electric vehicles. 136, 136 where? 136,000? 136,000 nationwide. That's an important clarification. Yep. Okay, yep. nationwide. Uh, can we uh, synthesize down to the South or to North Carolina? Uh, numbers and or how that compares with what was in, uh, anticipated or sales from a year ago or three years ago? Sure. Yeah. So so to put things in context a little bit more, it took us about 10 years to actually hit 1 million electric vehicle sales. Uh, we're actually already going to eclipse that rate in 2023 alone. Uh, and, and we're not finished with the year, right? So so we hit that point at about September of this year, uh, reaching 1 million sales in 2023. In North Carolina, that data lags behind a little bit. So mm-hmm. the, the most trustworthy data we get is from the State Department of Transportation. Uh, according to, to NCDOT, we've got 75,000 new electric vehicles registered uh, or total electric vehicles registered in, in the state of North Carolina um, as of the end of August. And as a share of the entire market, EVs are 1%, 2%, they're 8 10%. Where are they now? New, roughly new vehicle sales nationwide it's about 10 to 11 percent okay. in north carolina that lags a little bit so to put it in perspective seventy-five thousand evs registered in north carolina as of august 2023 uh that compares to about 8 million internal combustion engine vehicles so uh still plenty of work to do but but we do really see things growing at a a, a pretty rapid clip here Jake, so jeff just ahead, to David, uh, add some to this here uh Eva, evs had a market share of about seven percent in north carolina which as uh jacob mentions is just lagging a little bit um, nationally. But, um, you know, there are lots of reasons for that. One of the reasons is that North Carolina has done away with its incentives. And in some of these other states like California and other places, you have not only statewide incentives, but in some cases you have city incentives in the larger cities. So Mm. uh, we don't have that here, but we are starting to see an uptick in sales. Jacob Bolin is here on Due South. He's with Advanced Energy, a Raleigh-based nonprofit energy consulting firm. David Borax is also with us on the line from WFAE in Charlotte. David mentions incentives, and hey, that's where I would like to go next. So uh, some significant tax credits. And let me just pause and note, as you just said, David, when we're talking about this through the North Carolina lens, there, there are not credits in Raleigh or for the state or in Charlotte or anything like that. So what I'm talking about here for the next few minutes, unless you all deviate in a different direction, are strictly federal credits, federal incentives. So uh, some significant tax credits are available for some new and also some used plug-in electric vehicles. Not a uniform credit. It depends, again, the federal here, on how much of the production of the vehicle took place in the United States, that among other factors. So it's a $7,500 tax credit that can amount to, uh, you know, a 20%, 25% off coupon effectively uh, for some new vehicles. How much of an impact are these credits having here in North Carolina and the South, David? Well, they do have an impact. Um, people, you know, research shows that people do like to get some kind of a discount on this vehicle. It's still something that's, uh, you know, people are 
weighing all of their options. They're not going all the way to EVs without a little help right now. And so it does make a difference. And, you know, um, as we see the sales numbers rising quarter by quarter in North Carolina, I think, you know, they're up 50% year over year this year. So uh, that still seems to be working. Percentage-wise, that's a big jump. It's not maybe not a big jump in the aggregate. Uh, Jacob, these credits, they, they strike me as somewhat fluid, a little bit cumbersome. There's the $7,500 break for some new cars. There's the $3,750 break for some used cars. And then there are some changes coming in 2024. From a consumer perspective, what's most important to know about these incentives right now? I think the most important thing is is to say that it is a little nuanced and confusing and so would really recommend any interested buyers to actually go check out uh, updated guidance from the IRS um, and from the federal administration. With that being said, 2024 is actually going to bring in a new opportunity to have dealers take on the tax liability of these vehicle purchases um, in basically effectively lowering the purchase price of those vehicles where the dealer can apply that $7,500 discount for the buyer. Uh, this is really good news so that you don't have to, of course, wait you know, for, for any kind of tax refund to get that back. But also it, it gives you some, some more flexibility to um, kind of sidestep the tax liability yourself, making sure that you actually have the income to meet that. I understood you. I think our listeners are wicked smart, but I'm going to just run it back to you uh, to say it in a slightly different way and make sure that that I've got it right. Come January, if you were to buy a go in and, and buy a thirty five thousand uh, dollar new electric vehicle, instead of having to wait until filing your 2024 taxes and getting a seventy five hundred dollar rebate uh, at that point, probably not for eleven or twelve or excuse me, yeah, twelve to fourteen months. When you go into that dealership come January, if the car qualifies for a seventy five hundred dollar rebate uh, or rebate, you get it at the point of sale. So thirty five thousand becomes twenty seven thousand five hundred before you drive off with the car. That's right. Is that a fair way to look at it? Okay. Absolutely. So one of the biggest hurdles continues to be limited infrastructure around rapid electric charging stations. David, how much can we expect in the coming months uh, things to change or, or maybe in the next year as we think about uh, rapid electric charging stations across North Carolina and or the South? So we, we've seen the state building as fast as it can here, um, and that includes the utilities like Duke Energy. It includes state-sponsored um, uh, EV charging outlets. Cities and towns are doing this as well, and there are a bunch of private companies in the market. So everybody wants to be here, and they want to build as fast as they can. I think in 2024, you know, the last couple of years, people have been figuring out how this works. I mean, I did a story recently about uh, a company in Charlotte that does EV chargers, and they have to go in and they have to get a deal for the space that they're going to use, the land that they're going to use. They have to get other kinds of permits, and it takes a long time to bring one of these into existence. And so I think people are going to be getting better at this. Um, there's a lot of uh, push from the state to do this. Um, there's $7.5 billion nationwide available through the uh, Inflation Reduction Act to do chargers. I think North Carolina gets uh, $190 million or something like that. But we haven't seen any of those yet. So all of those are kind of waiting in the wings to come online. And this is a race. You know, if you have more people buying EVs, you've got to have more chargers. Jacob, anything to add here? 
Yeah, great, great points, David. And, and I'll just add on to, to North Carolina's role, um, you know, with some of the federal funding that was unlocked, as, as David referenced there. I think 2023 was a really interesting year for the build out of, of fast charging infrastructure across the state, um, because in many cases there, there was a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, there were a lot of, of, of big news that was made with with the hundred and nine hundred and ten million dollars that North Carolina is expected to receive as part of that federal infrastructure funding. Um, but it hasn't been un- unlocked through the, the State Department of Transportation yet. So they're working hard on, on basically setting up uh, the program to, to allow these different sites to uh, be opened up for, for requests for proposals and, and some of the different kind of formalities with that. But I think that we see in this case, uh, many of the different manufacturers and players in the fast charging market uh, to David's point, in, in a certain way, knowing especially that it's a, a very kind of nuanced um, effort and, and workload and that there's a lot to do around permitting and site host agreements and all these different factors. Um, you know, with that being said, I, I think many of these, um, you know, companies that are, are working to monetize and offer uh, these infrastructure services are waiting to see what happens in North Carolina with that federal funding. Jacob, you're an EV advocate. What concerns do you hear about most, not from dealers, not from wholesalers or manufacturers, from the consumer? Fast charging. It, it, it's really true. I think that there are two, Jeff, that I would really highlight. Number one is is going to be access to fast charging across the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten really comfortable with the ability to drive 100, 200 miles a day. You know, the vehicles themselves have the the range to offer uh, the ability for us to go drive and see our family across the state, to go, you know, visit the mountains in, in a tourism setting or whatever it is, right? And so I think that there's still a lot of concern about what it means to actually access fast charging mm-hmm. and how you do it. Um, you know, oftentimes some of these these fast charging stations, uh, maybe they are down for network maintenance or, you know, have a hardware issue or, uh, you know, maybe you don't know where to find them or which provider, or which plug type you should use. A lot of this fueling is very new for the consumer. Um, and especially if you're driving to some of the more rural areas across the state, sure. that access to fast charging is somewhat limited. Uh, the second thing I would mention is just the higher purchase price of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. The tax credit is a, a huge, huge help for purchasers. Uh, and the operating cost, we know they're going to be cheaper to operate over time. Uh, but it's still really hard to overcome a higher capital cost to make an investment, you know, when we're talking about to make a vehicle purchase. Quick observation here before we go to manufacturing. I do not have a a strictly electric vehicle. We bought a plug-in electric minivan over the summer. We have two young kids. I live in Northern Wake County. I've been struck by the lack of plug-ins, the lack of charging stations just throughout Wake County, as I think about county parks or state parks or uh, just in a number of places. I, I, you don't notice it until you're into it, uh, but I, I've been surprised that there are not uh, more of those. It, just an observation, maybe a throwaway comment. Jacob Poland is program manager of Plug-In NC, that is Advanced Energy's statewide electric vehicle program, and David Borax is a public radio journalist at WFAE in Charlotte. Just a few more minutes. I want to chat about production. Last month, Toyota announced plans for more investment and additional jobs at the battery manufacturing plant that it is building in Liberty. Meanwhile, Dai Nippon, a Japanese company that makes, among other things, lithium-ion battery pouches for electric vehicle battery cells, is going to set up shop in Davidson County outside of Winston-Salem. The Wall Street Journal is among those to have done some recent reporting on lithium mining in Kings Mountain. Oh, by the way, David Borax has done some reporting on that as well. Uh, And, oh, by the way, there's also Vietnamese automaker VinFast, which has uh, efforts underway to to set up routes uh, here in North Carolina. Has North Carolina landed uh, inconspicuously maybe as a leader, a southern leader in electric vehicles? Am I reaching here? 
run with it. Well, so, so Jeff, I think you could say the whole Southeast has benefited from this, uh, you know, coming wave of construction of new vehicles and all the things that go with them from batteries to auto parts. And, uh, you know, I think actually South Carolina is leading North Carolina at this point in terms of the number of factories that are doing things like auto assembly. Of course, there's the whole BMW complex down there in upstate South Carolina. There's also battery manufacturers coming in there and battery recyclers. But North Carolina is doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, we have, um, I think it's something like 40 different facilities have been announced in the last few years, according to one report that I read. And uh, they do include those big name ones, like you mentioned, Toyota and VinFast and that sort of thing. But they also include a lot of smaller suppliers, and as you mentioned, lithium, okay, so I've been covering this story for a few years now, ever since uh, it was first proposed to open a new lithium mine in northern Gaston County. Uh, that's a startup company called Piedmont Lithium, and that's a greenfields project where it's mostly homes and farm fields right now, and there's some opposition to that. Uh, another project by Albemarle Corporation, which is based in Charlotte, uh, they want to reopen an old mine in Kings Mountain there. And I was out there the other day taking a look at that project, and they seem to be pretty far along on it, and they're going to start emptying the lake that fills the old lithium mine there um, in the beginning of 2024. But we could very well see um, this area of North Carolina become a national leader in the supply of, of raw lithium that's needed for batteries. Very briefly, Jacob, anything that you're uh, looking for on the horizon for EVs in 2024? Yeah, the, the build out of fast charging infrastructure and, and really that community charging that you mentioned, Jeff, with with kind of that level two amenity charging, um, the more comfortable we can get folks with the fueling of these vehicles, the more comfortable they're going to be with those purchasing decisions. David Borax is environmental reporter with NPR member station WFAE in Charlotte. Jacob Bolin is with Advanced Energy. That's an energy consulting firm nonprofit based in Raleigh. He's also the program manager of Plug-In NC, that organization's statewide electric vehicle program. Guys, thanks for joining us here on Do South. Thanks You're so welcome, much, Jeff. Jeff. 